Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. As we continue in our uh, service today, I want to just welcome you once again to Calvary. It's good that you have joined us, and I hope that uh, you're ready to hear from God and that uh, you'll be willing to respond as He speaks to us today. We've been talking this year about health, and uh, we've been spending these few weeks just talking about the, the, the health, not just of our bodies, although I know some of you, I've, I've heard record that you are trying to improve some of your physical and health this, already this year, and congratulations on that. I, you, you're still at it, and it's February. Good job. I'm proud of you, all right? So keep it up, and I hope that that continues to, to be something you do through the year. Maybe it's a diet, maybe it's exercise, whatever that involves, but we've been specifically talking about the healthy church. Uh, and, and we're looking at in the idea of what, a, what does a healthy church look like, why is that important, and how do we continue? How do we maintain health? How do we become healthier as a church, as a, a, a group of believers within a church? We've been talking about that specific aspect of health. And so we're going to continue today. We're, we're in the book of Titus. If you have your Bibles, follow me there, or your, um, your electronic devices. The book of Titus. And, and as we've walked through this, we've been learning some things about health, about what a healthy church should be doing, why, all those things. Uh, let me call your attention and remind you what we learned first of all. Titus begins this way, verse number one, and Paul kind of gives us the idea of what he wrote this book about. He says, it's to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. It's important that we know more about God. We know, but it's not just knowledge. It's knowledge that leads us somewhere, leads us to godliness. So remember what we, one of our first things we talk about, a healthy church, a healthy church is one that where truth taught translates into truth lived. In healthy churches, truth taught translates into truth lived. That what you're, what you're learning here is not just for here, it's something that should be affecting your life. So then we moved on to the, to the other part of why Paul left Titus there in Crete. Verse number 5, uh, he says, The reason I left you there, Titus, is to put in order what was left unfinished and to appoint elders to put leadership in place. So we've also learned that healthy churches are developing, training, maintaining healthy leadership, healthy leaders. So it's critical that from, throughout the church at all different levels that there are those who are leading according to the qualifications, that are leading in godliness, that are leading people to take the truth and learn it and live it. That's, that starts with the leadership, and it moves on down. And we looked then last week at how important this leadership role is and what, what their specific jobs were. When you get to verse number nine of that same chapter, he says this, you are to encourage others, leaders, and the church by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Encourage, encourage the truth, encourage healthy, that's the word sound, encourage that healthy doctrine so that churches then are, are growing in health but it, it's also then refuting those who oppose it. That's what we talked about last week, the healthy immune system. The idea that, that there has to be a, a, an, a, an idea of what is right, what is wrong, and someone being willing to say, hold on a second, something's not right here. There's an immune system that God has put in place, leadership and throughout, throughout the rest of the body, and where truth is non-negotiable at God's house. In a healthy church, truth is not something we, we discuss. The truth is something we know to be true, and we have to make sure that it is, it is contained and it is maintained within the church. So then today, now we get to another aspect of a healthy church. 
And that would be a healthy church has a healthy support system. And we're going to talk about what that looks like as we walk through the, this next section of, of the book of Titus. Think about it this way. There's no astronaut that's going to, to step out into space without a life support system. Something that's helping him in a way that he, that he needs assistance. Uh, there, is, there, there is no sea, deep sea diver that's going to jump out into the deep water and, and, and sink without some kind of life support system, something that, that he can't do on his own. He's got to have support. As we looked at with Peyton already this morning, there, the, a first responder, a firefighter, is not going to step into a burning building and a smoky building without something to help them to support what they couldn't do on their own. They need a support system. Let's look at it. Let's look at it even a different way. There's no uh, Super Bowl quarterback. <laughs> uh, go Eagles! Anyway, there's no Super Bowl quarterback that's going to step onto the field by himself in the right mind without some kind of support system. Even when you go to the armed forces, a soldier doesn't doesn't run into battle without some kind of support. And usually that support would be in what we would call his platoon, his group, those that surround him, the people that he would would live for, he would uh, back them up and they would back him up and if necessary would die for. That's a support system. And, and we have to understand that in this being a healthy body, being healthy individual believers, being a healthy church, we want to look at how Titus talks to us about having a healthy spiritual support system. Can I encourage you today that the Bible is clear in the fact that as people, we were never meant to do this journey alone. From the very beginning, even before we get to the, anything about the New Testament, even before sin entered into the world, God said it is not good for man to be alone. God has made us with this, this uh, the working together, the, the fact that we need each other in this. And then we go into the spiritual walk, and it's the same idea. It's the fact that God never intended us to be Lone Ranger Christians, to be a church of, of just individual believers. There is something about the support system, the church that God has put together that you need if you're going to be a healthy Christian. And that our church needs, if we're going to be a healthy church, we've got to make sure that we have talked about this healthy support system. Here's where I think we find this. Chapter 2 of Titus. And let me just read through the first 10 verses. And, and just as you're reading, think about this in the, from the perspective of an idea of a support system and what Titus is being taught by Paul. Here's how he says it, verse number 2. Chapter 2, verse number 1. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Verse number four, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their own husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Verse 6, similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Verse number 9, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything 
to try to please them, not to talk back to them, and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. A spiritual support system. He starts it off this this section, verse number one, with these words. He says, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Now, if you've been with this, you understand what he's comparing this to or contrasting this to. Chapter chapter one, he said at the uh, the end of uh, verse number 11, for there are many who are teaching things they ought not to teach. So he said, you're going to have to teach things that are proper, that are right, because there's going to be a lot of people. And here's what you got, just got to remember. It, and I'm just saying this, not to, this isn't to be negative. It's just the truth that the longer that we're here, the longer that Jesus tarries in coming back, the more people are going to step up and say that which is false. False teaching is just going to get worse and worse. Timothy was told that by Paul, that it, this is just going to, that's a sign that you're going to see more, which means we have to be more and more aware, more and more proactive. That's part Part of the, the enemy's job is because there's going to be many teaching things they, they ought not to teach. But he says, but you, you've got to teach that which is appropriate for sound doctrine. The word appropriate, it's a great word. It means to be fitting, proper, something that, that fits with healthy doctrine. The, the word appropriate literally means a distinguishing characteristic, something that is distinguishing about your teaching that would lead you to, to live out this sound doctrine. Remember, it's, it's truth that leads to godly living. So his point is this. We need to have teaching. We need to make sure that it is clear that what is being taught is helping you to live, to have this appropriate life. Here's a couple translations just to give you an idea. Uh, One translation says this, preach the behavior that goes well, is appropriate with doctrine. Teach behavior that matches what you're teaching. Another translation says this, you must speak the things that make the true teaching attractive. Teach the things that live the things, preach and talk about the things that show that what we're teaching is more than just words, it's really how we are to live our life. God has designed a support system for us. It is called his church. It is, a, it is a point in which the church not only is a place where the doctrine should be firm, but it should be taught. It should be lived. It should be taught how to live. That's where we come to this support system. So let's walk through this passage. Let me pull out some observations that I made walking through it. See, see if we, some things we grab. And this one, this first one, and the word is specific. Healthy speaking is the foundation for a healthy lifestyle. And that word speaking is, is used because the word we see there is teach, and we'll get to that in a minute. And I want to show you how that everything, as we've said every week so far, and we're going to see it every time we walk through Titus, the core of your health is truth. When you talk about exercise, you talk about getting healthy, all the, the instructors talk about your core, the things that everything comes back to. If you want to have a healthy back, you want to have a healthy, you've got to have a healthy core. Can under, understand this. The core of your spiritual life is truth. And if, and if the truth is soft, if the truth is not, not, not firm, you're going to have issues. The core of health is truth. And so everything, the distinguishing characteristic of how you're to live has to always come back to truth. But the word, the word that we have here is the word, you, however, must teach what is appropriate. That word teach, it, it is, it, the translation of teach is a, is a great translation, but the word is a little different than some of the other words teach that we've used. This one literally means just to speak. 
It's the word for when, a, when, when words come out of your mouth. It literally means to utter, utter sounds that make words. That's, that's a, a simple definition of what this word uh, understands. It means to, when Jesus, for instance, when Jesus would, had several of his healings involve people who were deaf and mute, and when he would heal them, they could hear and speak. That's that word. They, they were able to then speak. So the word, when, when the miracle happened, wasn't so much what they said. People weren't so amazed that, wow, that was, very, that was very astute. They were just amazed. Hey, you said something. You spoke. It was the idea that, there, that speaking was important. What he's saying to you is the words that we use, and not just from a person up here on a stage, but the words that we use in, com, in conversation with one another are speaking is the key to, to a, a foundation for a healthy lifestyle. The words that we use, the words that, that we say, which leads me to a couple of thoughts. Number one is silence is not an option. The fact of say, speaking truth is not, well, I'll leave it to somebody else. You are responsible as an individual member, as a part of this support system, you are responsible to learn and to, to know and to speak truth. You need to be as someone who, who can be counted on to be learning and to be speaking that which is truth. It's not, a, it's not an option, but what we do know here is the content of this speaking is critical. It has to be truth. It has to be sound doctrine. If our church is going to grow and to be what it needs to be, we have to know the truth, speak the truth. It ha- the truth has to be that kind of foundation. Here's what... Um, he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said this, These are the wholesome, that's the same word as sound or healthy, these are the healthy teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what he said, These teachings promote a godly life. The words that we say, the conversations that we have, the church as a support system starts, foundation is speaking truth. And, and that truth is not just more information, it's truth that transforms our life. The Bible was not meant to inform us, but to transform us. And so the point is that we're speaking truth that is changing lives. Speaking is the foundation. Let let me give you another observation, but before I get to the observation, let me just kind of tell you, this passage that we're studying today, this is the reason why I believe this is where God laid this book on my heart to share with you as a congregation. These next 10 verses are the verses that, as I was reading through Titus, this is what jumped off the page to me, that I want our church to know and our church to grab a hold of. I think this is the key. This support system is the key to so many things that would make us healthy and where we need to be. Because as you look through these next few verses, we're going to see that God makes some very distinct uh, distinct. differences, if you would, between age, between gender, between even some socioeconomic status. He's going to show that we're not all the same. We're we're different, and and that's okay. But he's going to show how those differences should be interacting. They shouldn't be just all separate, and we have this group here, and this group here, and this group here, but there should be a a melting of the people within the body. That's the support system, that we are all here for one another. So he's going to talk about the older, he's going to talk about the younger, he's going to talk about those who are employed, whatever. And all of this melding together, this comes, but what you're going to find is every one of these groups has their own strengths. They have their own weaknesses. They have their own struggles. 
And, and the point is that working together, we all, in this support, we all are able to help each other grow to be healthier individuals, which then helps us to be, does that make sense? That's what this whole, to me, the whole book comes down to, in, in a lot of ways, to this particular passage of this important healthy support system. So here's how I want to divide it this way. A healthy church is a connected church. As we come in these 10 verses, I think that's, that's the picture that comes to my mind, that, that a, a healthy church is less about how many are in attendance and more about how many that are in attendance are connected. It's more about that how many of us are here, yes, and that's great, and we continue to grow, but what's healthy is as more people come and as all of us, that we are finding ourselves in deeper connection because God has used, is using this connection as our support system. And to grow as an individual, to grow as a church, we need this support system to be in the health that we need to be. Think about it this way. When you think of our, our physical bodies, which God used the church when that symbol, the, the life support system within our bodies are these little cells, these, these microscopic cells that, that make up our body. You realize that within your body, estimates, average, there's over 30 trillion cells that make up this body. Now, this probably has a few more cells than some of you. This is a bigger body, but you understand, it's made up of trillions, literally trillions of cells. So, so understand that, that the life of this person is not really the body, the life is the individual cells. And you understand the support of, of the body of Christ, is, is the, it's not so much the, the whole as we see, that's important, but the health is going to come in the individual cells, those individual cells working together. Even in what we would take these cells and you divide them up into, do you understand, what we do here on Sundays is phenomenal. But if this is the only health you get, the only encouragement you get, you're going to miss out on the health. It's breaking this down into groups where the health can literally work together, where you can see the cells actually in, in unison working and helping and growing and encouraging. All of those words that we talk about, this, this system, we call it small groups. We call it life groups, which is a great term. It's life it's not just doing life. It's not just having more friends. It's actually coming together as cells to help each other be what we call, that's our support system. That's why we believe these life groups are not just a fad. Or, that's really where we believe the strength that you're going to need is going to be missed if somehow you're not in a, a smaller group that's helping you to grow, to getting the cells together. Let me give you a couple examples. Hebrews chapter number three. Listen to what the writer says. He said, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. That's, that's a great exhortation. Now notice what, how he says this is helpful. He says, but instead of that, encourage one another as long as it is called today. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Don't miss that middle word. It's not just encourage. It's that he said, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, there's a lot of context in this, but what a great just passage to look out that God says within the body, there needs to be not just Sunday encouragement, there needs to be daily encouragement. And, and you're not going to find daily encouragement if only time you see the rest of the body is on Sundays. Does is that, is that make sense? The idea is we need one another. The body needs a support system. Now, in this verse that encourage one another, that's one of 30, depending on translation, 30 or so one another's in the New Testament. 
that the church is to love one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another, to, and these one another's over and over, to forgive one another. It, it's a concept that God has called within the body as our support system. This one another's is how that works. This is how God has designed us, how God has made us. Elsewhere in Hebrews, chapter number 10, listen to these verses, starting in verse 23. He says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for, uh, for he who promised is faithful. Now notice, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Two more one another, spurring one another on, helping one another take the steps, and then encouraging one another as you do it. What God's point is this, it's real. It, this, this need is real that we have for one another to be encouraged, to be spurred on, but it's also practical. In the first verse, he said it's daily. Here he says, don't give up meeting together. He knows that you can't practically be spurring one another on and encouraging one another if you're never together. And, and if you're, the only time together is one when you're looking at me, it, 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 the, the principle is this, we need each other to be what God has called us to be. That's where we get our spiritual support system. All right, so now, seeing this passage through the idea of a connecting church, let me give you the other thought, and I'm going to spend a few minutes here talking about what else I see in this passage. And this is for each one of us. You are here to make a difference in someone else's life. What I believe about this connection, this support system, is your presence is important. Your presence not just in a seat, but your presence within the body, your presence doing what you're supposed to do, your being a part of the support system is critical. You are here to make a difference in someone else's life. You, the, the reason that God has put you here, you can, making a difference, impacting, whatever word you want to use. You could even, in some regards, some people would call this mentoring, where you're just you're intentionally pouring into someone. However you want to use the word, the point is that every one of us in the room, if you're here as a part of this church, you're one of the cells, you are here to make a difference in the cells around you, to make a difference in those around you. That's, that's your, your point. I, I want to give you four words, and you can fill in the four blanks, and then we're going to talk these words because I think each of these four words help us understand what we should be doing to make a difference. Your impact involves these four words, and I think at some point all of us should be doing all of these, and then different points will be doing different ones. Let me throw them up here. The four words are teaching, training, encouraging, and modeling. Teaching, training, encouraging modeling. We're going to find all four of these, these concepts in this passage, and all four of these then become ways that God uses the body to be the support system, that there, each of these words help us to help others, to impact, to make a difference in others' lives. So, so let's walk through it. Uh, let's start with teaching. Teaching would be revealing the truth making sure the truth is spoken, making sure that it gets out there. Um, Titus, Paul says, Titus, you are to teach others. I am currently right now standing in the position of a teaching position. I'm teaching you. That's my job. But it, whether it's on the stage or whether it's sitting in a, a coffee with a brother or sister in Christ, there are times when our words, our teaching, revealing truth to others needs to be that, that real, that it's, a, it's teaching that applies to your life. It's teaching that changes your, your life. And, and we're, we're bringing this whole thing down to something important. Now, he's going to start 
And he's going to list five different groups of people in this, older, younger, and slaves, and the men and women all involved, five different specific groups. And he's going to start with what he calls the older men. Now, depending on your version, that may say the aged men. I like older better, don't you guys? <laughs> it's a, older sounds, it's a little more PC. It's a little softer. I'm, I'm not old, I'm older, right? Okay, you get that? So it, we're talking about the older men. The, the, the distinguished ones could, could be a, a good way of, of putting it. And he's not referring to the elders, the official, uh, the official leaders here, I don't think at this point. That, that is a, an, a, a different word that he uses. This is talking about literally those who've you know, got some miles on the tires, right? They, they got, they, they've got some gray hair, you know, those kind of things. Uh, honestly, I, I know for a few years now, I've, I've been in this older men's group, okay? Um, I'm not saying how long I've been there, but I've been there a little while, all right? And, and it, it, just to give you a, a reference, in the Greek culture, any, anyone over 50 was considered older. Now, you can take that for how you want it, because I'm still kicking the girl at Wendy's that gave me that, 50, that senior's discount, okay? So I, I'm, I know that there's different ways of looking at this, but, and it wasn't Peyton, okay? She, she, <laughs> she's not the one that did that. Okay, but warn all your friends. I could go all raging crazy if they do that again to me. But that, that's, I still got another year, right? Okay, so anyway, we're talking about older, not the elders. It's this whole idea. But let's walk through this. Now, some of these things we're going to look at, obviously, we're talking about the, church, the churches in Crete. They had some of their own individual issues. So there's possible some of this was specifically for them. But what I think is so interesting is it's very universal, still very relevant, especially if you look at the meaning of some of those. So older men, if you would put yourself in that category, listen to this. The older men are to be temperate. Temperate means uh, literally, it's another word for sober. It means not be something controlled by intoxicants. Okay, so that could be all kinds of lust and issues, alcohol and all that. But it also has the idea of temperate, sober in mind, in your thinking, clear of thought, discerning. Old men were to be Older men, excuse me, were to be temperate, okay? This second one is one that I think is so picturesque, just so perfectly worded. We're to be worthy of respect. Challenging, too, gentlemen. Look at our lives, older men. Would our lives be something worthy of the respect of others? We're to, that's the goal. That's what we're shooting for. Older men are to be self-controlled. That's a word we're going to see several times in these lists. Self-controlled it, it could be sensible is one of the words. It means that literally that, that you're, to, be, to be under control is literally to be out of your control and under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's the idea of that passions and so forth. They are under a sensible control. You can, you can sense that in your life. The literal word in, in modern Greek the word self-controlled in modern Greek language is the word brakes, like what you have in your car. In other words, it's something that you know when to say no. You're able to stop. Men, older men, we need to have that as part of our lives. Uh, self-controlled. And then sound or healthy. That's a great way. Healthy, and look at three different ways, older men. We're to be healthy in our faith, what we believe. We're to be healthy in our love. We should be growing in compassion, not becoming crotchety old men. Just saying. Faithful, sound, healthy in our love, and healthy in endurance. Healthy in the fact that other, others can see what, that faithfulness is worth it. That we're going to stick with this thing. We're not going to give up so easy. And, we're gonna, and, and we're, we know that if we don't give up, there is a harvest. And we're showing the younger generation that it is worth to do what God has called us to do. It's healthy in those things. So think about it, older guys. How are we doing? 
And I'm, we're not perfect in any of these areas, but how are we doing? Are the, what are some areas we need to consider? All right, then the, ne- the next title I, I approach with all fear and trembling because he says, likewise, teach the older women, okay? Some of you are saying, you better not be talking about me, boy. I understand. I can feel the vibes, all right? So you put yourself there if you want, but can you understand? This is a position of honor and prestige. It's, a, it's an attribute that God has a this is such a beautiful picture when you think it. Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Reverent actually carries the idea of, of the work within the temple, the sacred work. It's the idea that people can see that you, you're fear, you, you fear God and that you're in his presence, that you, they sense God's presence in you. That's what the word reverent means, reverent in the way you live, not to be slanderers. Ladies, this is a big word. Slanderers is literally the same word used 34 times for the word devil in the New Testament. It's the word diabolos. Your words have powerful, powerful influence. And it's ne- so it's never slurring. It's never tearing someone down, never a slanderer. It says uh, not, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, self-explanatory, not, in, not addicted to anything, including much wine outside of Scripture. But look at this last phrase, but to teach what is good. Here's this picture, older ladies. You have the experience And it's a picture of you putting your arm around a younger lady and saying, here's how I did this. Can I help you? Can I just, can I help to teach you, to just help you in your path? This, it's a beautiful picture. And you see how the church is connected. You see how God is working all this, the older, uh, the, the older men, the older ladies. But here's what I want to point out from this, this first thought about us who would be probably in the older category. The point that Paul is making to us is to see that your lives right now make a difference. Older men and women. And perhaps, I'm just throwing this out, but perhaps you have more possibility of making a difference now than you even did before. He starts with us first, and he wants to point out that you have this incredible opportunity to make a difference if we live and do what God has called us to do. But sadly, and I'm speaking to those of us who may be in this category, sadly, one of two things often happen in churches. One, The church ignores the older generation. They don't allow their resources to be used. They consider them to be, you know, you're out of date, you're old-fashioned, really, thank you for your input, but we're doing it. And they forget the older people, sad. And if that happens here, we're going to do our best to change it. But here's the second one that I've seen a lot of times. And that's my, my age and older, a lot of them say, you know, I put in my time. Like church service is a prison sentence, right? I put in my time. Let somebody else do it. Please hear what you're saying. God has given you experience. God has given you wisdom. You, your, your, your activity level may have to change. We know that based on how our bodies are functioning and falling apart. I get that. We, we have to change. But actually, our involvement and intensity, I think, should actually increase as we get older because of the resource God has put in us. If you can picture it this way, picture uh, runners in, a, in, a, in a, uh, a relay race, and you have a runner who's running and doing everything he can, and about 50 feet from the handoff spot, the runner just stops, drops the baton, walks off, and says, I've done my part. Never getting to the point of passing that baton on to the next one. You see, that's what happens. I've seen it in church so much is, is they come to a point and they say, I'm done, I'm, 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 I'm old, I can't do that, whatever. They drop the baton and not realizing that one of their biggest jobs, biggest responsibilities now is to take that baton and make sure the next generation can hand it 
and grabs it. And in fact, in this analogy, what happens is as you hand it, it's almost like you're carrying the baton together for a period of time, and you turn from being as much a runner to a coach, and you're saying, you can do this. Let me show you how I did it. And, and before you take your last breath, you have effectively passed on the baton to the next generation. Older men, older women, that's where we're at. That's what God has called us to do, is to make that kind of an influence in, in teaching the younger. All right, so teach the older. Let, let's move on. The second action of impacting is the word training, and that's the idea of developing skills, not just giving information, but now actually putting into practice. And we saw that specifically when, it, when he said to the older women, here's what you should do to the younger women. He says in the next verse, put that on the screen, please, thank you. They can urge, and that word urge is also the word for train. It means to discipline, to help learn, okay? They are to urge, to train the younger women. And younger women, here's what the, the older women are, are, they have this influence. They can help you out to love your husbands and your children. Let's just stop there. Love your husband and children. Children. Wait, I thought that was natural. I thought women just naturally just loved, right? Well, they, they do have that side of nurturing that, that men may not have naturally. But there's something specific. We know part of it was the Cretan culture. Never forget that. In the Crete, uh, marriage was forced. Even sometimes having kids was forced. And so the point was a matter of sometimes they had trouble just liking the, the stage of life they were in. But that word love also is a different word from our agape love. It's a word that means friendship companionship. We get our word Philadelphia, throwing in that plug again. We get our word Philadelphia from, from the idea of brotherly love, right? It's the idea of teach the younger women to be friends with their husbands as well, to be beside them as a companion, to know that you've got their back and you're supporting them, and to, to raise up your kids to a point that someday you're friends You've raised up friends that you can have. You love your husbands and your children. Be self-controlled. There's our word again. Be sensible. To be, have your passions under control, which would lead to purity. To be busy at home. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't have a job outside, but to know that, that you have a, a God-given responsibility to make sure that your home is a place that, that God is honored and that others would know that, that God is there. To be subject to their husbands. Oh, there's that submission idea, right? Older women, do you understand what you can come along and train and teach and help urge them to be all of these things so that no one will malign the word of God, training them, giving them skills to be what God has called them to be, actually giving them from your life, just like you would pass down recipes and how you would pass down so that they can do other things, pass down your spiritual life, your spiritual skills, train them to be the women that God has called them to be. Here's our third word. Another word in impact is the word encouraging, which could mean inspire. It could mean prod. It's a great word. In the, the word encourage is a word in the New Testament which means come alongside. So you how great it is. Jesus is referred to as our come alongsider, our comforter. He's one that comes, he's our advocate. He comes along beside us. The Holy Spirit lives in us, referred to as our come alongsider, as our uh, one who comes and comforts and guides us, right? So now we are to, in, in these verses, we are to encourage one another, come alongside and to help others to, to take their steps. And, and this could be seen in two ways. I, inspiring is one word that I would use. The idea of inspiring means, um, uh, you know, you can do this, you know, cheerleading kind of an idea. But it also means to prod. It means to exhort. It has more the idea of, you know, a sharp stick in the side. You need to move here. You need a swift kick in the... You don't understand what I'm saying? They're, they're, both of these are involved in encourage. Look what he says. Encourage 
the young men to be self-controlled. There's our word again. And then he also said, teach the slaves to be subject to their masters and everything. Teach is the same word as encourage. Come alongside them. Teach them to do what God has called them to do. Teach them to be self-controlled. It's this idea of encouraging. And everyone in this room, part of your job in impacting others is teaching them, make sure the truth is spoken, giving them skills, things that you've learned so that they can be better, and then encourage them. Say, yes, you can do this, and hey, hold on a second, let's go a different direction. Either way, encourage, and the last word is modeling. Modeling, it, it's setting an example. It's the idea of something, uh, this mentoring, this idea of impacting, includes, and I'm not talking about fashion modeling, right? I'm not, I'm not too sexy for my shirt. It's not that kind of an idea, Modeling is setting the example. And that's what, he, that's what he tells us in this verse. In everything, Titus, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that it cannot be condemned. It, it, it kind of stands to reason that Titus was probably in the younger man category. And so he's telling him, just like he told Timothy, don't even despise your youth that you be an example to not only your other peers, your other young men, but even to the older. You be an example of what is truth. You set a model. You set something that other people can follow. I'll say, are, are you following me, church? Here's what it means to be a healthy support system. Somehow, God's going to call you to either teach, train, encourage, or model the spiritual, and probably all four, and maybe all together, maybe one at different times, but God has called you as a spiritual support, part of the spiritual support system to help this happen in the lives of others. We are here to do this together, and that's why this passage just jumped off the page to me as I was reading it several months ago, because that's, in my opinion, that's the definition of discipleship. Discipleship is when we pour our lives into others, not just so that they come to church, but that they come to know Jesus and then they take their steps to follow him. And I have a way of encouraging and teaching and training and modeling so that they can become disciples who will go and do the same thing with someone else. That's what this is all about, that the church is set up with a support system that as we come to Jesus, we grow in our faith because of the other cells around us helping to do what God has called them to do. My question is, how are we doing, Calvary? We're trying to set up structures. We can only do so much of that individually. How are you doing in any of these four areas? Look at those four words again. Teaching, training, encouraging, modeling. God may have you right in the middle of some of that right now. How's it going? How are you doing in, in being that support system for others? But can I just, before I get off of this, I want to say one other thing. Impacting lives is not just the lives within our church. As you go on and you move through this passage, and this is something very important about healthy churches. If healthy churches, they, if all they do is focus on the believers within the church, they won't be healthy for long. Part of our health is not just staying within this, these walls or within our body. Within our, we, we also have an impact in our life, in our communities, in the world. Notice what he says. Just walk through this a couple verses. He says at the end of this, if you're doing this, verse number uh, five, I believe it is, look, look at what he says. He says, so that no one will malign the word of God. In other words, when they hear God's word and they see your life, they'll go, oh, that makes sense. I, I can see how you're living and, and I can see that's how the word of God, they will never malign the word. Look at the next one. He says this way. He says, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. 
You're living your life in such a way that there's no, the hypocrisy, it's not, they're not seeing perfection, but they're seeing real life and they're seeing that there's nothing that they can put the word of God or put the church down for because they're seeing how you live. And look at the last one he said to the slaves, so that in every way you will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. You see, when you hear that there's an old song that said, you're the only Jesus some will ever see, that is a good thing if our lives, if we're living the way God has called us. Because if, they're, if we're the only Jesus they see, yes, then they should be able to see Jesus in us and be able to see that there is a way, there is something in what your lives can go if they see what Jesus has done in us. One last observation from this passage. And I hope everyone will listen. You are never too old to learn and grow. I don't care where you are, starting our teenagers here, starting to older ones there, you're never too old to learn and grow. We've already seen this beautiful cross-section God has, the younger and the older training. And, but, but I want you to notice something as you, as you go, walk through it. Every one of them has their own challenge. He identifies certain things in every one of our areas. And if he's telling them you need to work on this, then that probably means that's a struggle, a temptation that that particular age group may have to deal with. Temperance, self-control, worthy of respect, uh, all those issues, uh, it, that's something probably we have to deal with in those areas of life. So we, each of us have this, special, in fact, even he starts off with, t- with Titus. You need to do this, Titus. There was even a challenge to him and to the other elders. You need to make sure this happens. So for every one of these areas, there's a challenge. There's a, there, there is something that we need to do to be what God has called us, whether we are the older men or the younger men, whether we're, we're leading or whether we're, we're, we're part of the body. There, there's, the idea is that as we get older, sometimes we get comfortable. We get comfortable doing what we, we like and what we feel is, and, and we just don't want to be stretched. We don't really want to change. You, you can't teach old dog new tricks. However you want to look at that, and we get to the point, and it doesn't always happen when you're my age and older. It happens along the way that we get into a, into a realm of thinking that I don't want to do anything different. And we have to always understand that God is constantly has something for us to learn and to grow, a next step for us to take. And all through this passage, the, the idea is that, yes, you, you, you older ones, you've got more experience than some of these younger ones combined, but you still have something to learn. Deacons, leaders, you've been serving for 30, 40 years. You still have something to learn. You still have a place to grow. You've just been in this faith a few months. You have a place to grow, and you will continue to have a step to take and a place to grow. We never get too old to, to, to learn, to grow, to have the need to be different in what God has called us to be. So let's talk about this. We're a healthy support system. God has designed the body to do that. It's not going to happen if you don't find yourself in a place where the cells and you can connect and you can, you can make that. And I, I just encourage you once again to find a life group that you can get involved with, that you can be a part of, of other cells and you being a part of that. But all of that is together. And one last verse, and then I want to share a story. Ephesians 4, from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's your spiritual support system. In Christ, we are one, and as each of us work together, we build up the whole body. As each cell is healthy and and impacting the other cells, the whole body is healthier. I want to share a a letter that, that my wife and I received at Christmas, New Year's. We always receive one from a friend of ours named Norma, and I want you to hear 
what Norma said in her letter this year, dated January 1st, 2018. Norma said this, Today is a new beginning, and I'm ready for it. She goes on to describe how that last year, spring or summer, I began struggling with, and listen to her words, struggling with what I was supposed to do about the future. She said, I love my church and my friends there, the opportunities to serve the Lord, but this struggle was going on inside me, and it went on for six months. And so during that time, when in church, I felt that the Lord had something else for me to do. She said, I went to my pastor, and, and I talked to him, and, and his words were that just to continue to pray, and God would show you. I called a couple of former pastors that I'd, when I used to live in Kansas and talked to them, and I believed that the church, Bible Baptist Church, is where God wants me to go and to serve and to help them grow. Okay, so that started six months of frenzy for her. She, started, she lived in Indiana, moving to Kansas. In six months, everything had to be done, the whole process. And those of you who know selling the house, everything sold, everything got moved. She gets to Kansas, and the first week she's in Kansas, she comes down with a severe case of the shingles. And those of you that experience that know how painful that is. She said, and I was in la-la land for several days because just because of the pain and all of that. So that's how it started. But I want you to listen to how she ends her letter. I don't understand why the Lord permitted the trial of shingles, but I remember my friends warning me to slow down. Now, I know shingles is caused from stress, but time-wise, I felt I had to just keep working, keep going. But the, the shingles slowed me down. I reaped what I sowed. But I've been praying somehow the Lord would get glory. Listen to what, how she wants the Lord to get glory. I started praying for those who had shingles who didn't know Jesus. She said, because I can't imagine how that you could keep your mind without the help of the Lord. And so she began to pray for those, and she said, and I, and I would pray that someone would come into their lives and show them the grace and mercy of God, because I couldn't have made it without him. And I'm excited to see how God is going to use me in this new position until he takes me home. And that's where I want to stop. Because the amazing thing about this letter, and this, this woman looking for the future of God, this woman grew up with my mother, actually was four years older than my mother. So if I do the math right, this lady who's taken this new venture in life to serve the Lord is 94 years old. Still serving, still wanting to know God. In fact, she says, you know, if I have to leave my home here, I, the nursing facility is right down the street, and I quote, uh, the cook is amazing. <laughs> I know that I, and t she said, and I have tried it. Tell, talk about my priorities. This woman not only sharp in mind, but her desires to serve the Lord. Listen how she ends this. I'm thankful for new beginnings. 2017 was the first year I didn't read my Bible all the way through in the last 44 years. The Bible's so amazing. So when I reread any other book, there are no surprises that every year I find treasures in God's Word. So I started off again this morning reading the Bible through. Never too old to learn and grow. Never too old to love and to point people to Jesus. Because God has set up a support system, and as long as you're breathing, you're a part of that support system. How are we doing, church? How are you doing? Are you connected in such a way where you're finding support from the body and your, your spiritual walk is being encouraged by others? Are you in connection helping others grow, speaking words of truth, living a, a life that they could follow Jesus when they see you. How, how are we doing, church? How are you doing personally? What things that God show you today that may be areas that we need to investigate? Can I say one other thing? If you're here today and you've not received Jesus Christ as Savior, my friend Norma, 94 years old, is praying for you. And I'm praying for you. 
Because the most important decision you're ever going to make is to know that you're, you're a lost sinner apart from God, but Jesus sent his son to die for you. And in his sacrifice, he made a way for you to come to the Father, to have a relationship with God. Have you received that gift? Have you, has there been a time in your life when you confessed Jesus to be Lord and Savior and received his forgiveness? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our heads bowed and eyes closed. Our spiritual support system, what does that look like in you? Are you still learning and growing? Are you still listening so that when God says change, you're willing to do whatever that takes? How are you doing? How's your support system? How are you being in supporting others? Or if you've not received Christ today, would you receive his gift? Father, I pray for this, this congregation today. I thank you for what you've shown us, what you've taught us. Lord, that you, you know how important truth is to our life, and we need a support system to make that truth really be lived out on a daily basis. So, Father, I pray that you're encouraging people right now. It's not a matter of guilt. It's a matter of just seeing a, a need and, and moving towards an answer to that. And so, Lord, help us to see where we, can, where we can find the connection that will help us grow and how we can be the part of the body that will help others grow. Father, please speak to our hearts. Whatever area that, that is specific to us, Lord, let, just let it come alive. Help us to listen and respond to you. Maybe it means repent. Maybe it needs to just re-engage. Maybe it needs to pray for someone. Lord, help us to do what you've called us to today. And if there's one today under the sound of my voice that has not received Jesus, would you call them today? Open their eyes to see the truth that you love them and you died for them because they're sinners who need a Savior. And may they call out to you and say, Jesus, forgive me and save me. Please speak to our hearts today. With our heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's just take our few moments here and, and pray. If you want to know how you can know Christ, be, we have folks that would love to pray with you and show you what that looks like. Can I invite you just to stand and join me here? Even from where you're seated, you can call out to him and say, God, be merciful, save me. Forgive me, I want to follow you with my life. Or maybe as Christians, what part of the support system did God say that needs to be activated in your life today? Or what way do you need to, to change?